God right now. Come on, I want you to help me. Let's prepare ourselves for the word of God. Thank you, Lord. We want the word tonight. We want your word. We need your voice. We want you to speak from heaven. Hallelujah. We've come to hear you. We've come to receive from you tonight, Father. Have your way in us tonight. Speak, Lord. Speak from heaven. We are preparing our hearts now to receive. In the name of Jesus. We get rid of all the things, the junk that may be in the way, Lord. We, we clear our minds. We clear our hearts. We, we forget about all the other stuff. And we focus in right now. We focus in right now on you and on your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. In your word, there is life. Thank you, Lord. Your word is truth. And your truth endures to all generations. So tonight we need and we, we receive the truth from your word. Hallelujah. Your truth that is for this generation, your truth that is for this hour, for this moment, for this season, your truth that is for our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're ready. We're hungry. We're thirsty for you. You say you pour water on ground that's thirsty. So, Lord, as we thirst for you, release your water from heaven and flood our souls tonight. We receive the word with thanksgiving, knowing it's able to save our very souls. We receive it with meekness. We receive it not as the word of men, but as it, is, as it is in truth, your word, which works effectively in those who believe. So tonight, we believe your word, and we receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. amen. And amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? All right, open up Bibles to, to guess where? Psalm 46. Let's mess around in here a little bit more. Praise the Lord. Psalm 46, and we're going to read uh, verses 4 through 7. Psalm 46, verses 4 through 7. Hallelujah. Y'all have it? All right, let's read together from the New King James Version. Ready, read. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Praise the Lord. Verse 5 says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Tonight I want to teach on this subject. God will help you. God will help you. God will help you. That's simple, but it's good news. God will help you. You may be seated. Glory to God. God will help you. 
If you, we've been in this Psalm 46, and you've been, hopefully you've been reading and studying it on your own time, and you understand when it gets down, down there in verse 4, it starts talking about this uh, river whose streams make glad, shall make glad the city of God. And it's, it's an allusion to our worship and our praise. That when you and I get over into creating a river of joy, creating a river with our praise and our worship, that uh, God inhabits our praises. So wherever we praise God, uh, we establish a city of God. Are you hearing me? Wherever there's praise, it's, it becomes a city of God. And so then when you are a city of God, you continue to read right there in verse 5, it says God is in the midst of her. In the midst of her who? Where that, that city of praise is. He's in the midst of her. Then he says here, she shall not be moved. Glory to God. Now, up you read a little bit early in this, in this psalm, and it talks about Verse 2, even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with its swelling. In other words, all kind of um, uh, tumultuous uh, things happening. And yet it says, but where the city of praise is. She shall not be moved. We used to sing this song growing up. I hear dad say this all the time about the Methodist church, the United Methodist church. But we used to sing it in the church of God in Christ. I shall not, I shall not be moved. I shall not, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Oh, I shall not be moved. So y'all remember that? Yeah, see, they, in this United Methodist church, they probably sung it real slow. I shall not, I shall not be moved. We, that ain't how we sung it. Yeah. I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Oh, I shall not be moved. Yeah, Angela, they get that clap going, the tambourine. And yet, what's interesting is you can find people moved all the time. Slightest little thing come along and they move. But wherever there is a city of God, which means it must be a place for a tabernacle of the Most High, which means it must be a temple of praise, then you shall not be moved. In other words, your praise grounds you. Your praise stabilizes you. Your praise uh, gives you a firm footing and a firm foundation. Oh man, I don't know if y'all get it. I, I, was, I was thinking about this on Sunday, even back, going back to last Sunday. I, I don't know if we realize really how critical our praise is. That, that sometimes we kind of act like praise is just a, a service filler. Yeah, that's right. That's why people come, they come to church after praise and worship. Well, I don't need all that. I just want to come and get the word. But don't understand that praise gives you a footing. In fact, we really have to change our, our mindset because we, 
in my, my church experience, uh, we always were taught that what praise does, praise uh, prepares our hearts for the word. And that may uh, have some validity to it. But the truth is, praise prepares the ground for God. It prepares the atmosphere for God. He is the word. He's the one that explains the word to you. It's his word. And revelation has to come from him. Are you hearing me? Now I'm just, I'm just, just, just trying to get y'all, ease y'all into this tonight. Point I'm making is here, that the psalmist makes here, that wherever you are, uh, there's a, a, a place of praise It says she will not be moved. You will not be moved. But it goes on to say God shall help her just at the break of dawn. So God will help you. Now it says God shall help her. Now that's where you're in the city of praise. If you're a praiser, God will help you. Come on now. When you, because again, your praise allows him to visit. Your praise invites him to visit. And when he visits, he can help you. All right? Now, we're going to go somewhere tonight. So I didn't you all just stick with me. Okay? Now, so we're, how many of y'all know this is day 52? 52, right? We're nine, there's 90 days of prosperity and manifestation, things God is doing. Testimonies are coming in, and 52 days is not a long time, uh, but God doesn't need a long time to do things. Y'all remember in the book of Nehemiah, when they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem, they built a wall, a border wall, in 52 days. Now, it's taking our government a long time to even just find out how to get the money for this thing here. They're not even building around the whole country. They're just building around long, one border. But they built a, a wall around the whole city of Jerusalem in 52 days. Glory to God. So we've been at this 52 days. How could they get, matter of fact, look at that Luke in uh, Nehemiah 6 and verse uh, 15. Nehemiah 6 and verse 15. It says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. So the border wall was finished in 52 days. Now, watch this, verse 16. And it happened when all our enemies heard it, heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were disheartened or afraid in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Now, why would, they, why would they perceive that? Because this was a, 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 a monumental event to have a wall built in 52 days. It's not, you can't do it. First of all, these are all, all um, uh, if you allow, uh, former slaves. Remember, they're coming out of Babylonian captivity. They've been in captivity 70 years. They come here, they don't even have their own money. Certainly they don't have all the uh, fancy uh, equipment of their day. And yet, this motley crew, this skeleton crew, built a wall in 52 days. 
and the, and the heathen noted, that must be God. <laughs> in other words, the whole point of this, of this nine days is for God to do something in your life that the heathen have to say, that must be God. Can y'all receive that? He wants to show out of your life to the point that your heathen friends, neighbors, cousins, and your family members know that God must be with you. God must have done that because there's no, I know you, you can have done that yourself. All right? So we got 38 good days to go. All right, now, let's go back to Psalm 46. I just want, want, let's get into this here. Because I, I got something I want to I share tonight. Psalm 46, we saw here in verse 7, that's been our key scripture for the last couple weeks, few weeks here. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So God is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. We saw how he mentioned here in verse uh, 9. We saw that on Sunday how he uh, breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns a chariot. In other words, God knows how to disarm and immobilize our enemies. Right? And then, then we saw how in verse 10, God jumps in into the conversation. Because whenever you're talking about God, he's going to jump in. All right? So verse 10, God says, be still and know that I am God. You implied you be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So we, I told you how in, in the Septuagint, it'll use the word relax. We went to the, put the, uh, the passing translation up there for us, please, if you can. In the passage translation, it'll read a little differently. It'll say something to the fact that surrender your anxiety. Surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. Surrender your anxiety. So we're, we're seeing here, be still, which means to uh, uh, relax. Then we're seeing here, surrender your anxiety. That's in the Passion. We don't have that? Passion translation? I know we have it. Then we have, we, I gave you the, the uh, contemporary English version, which said, calm down. Can you hear the heart of God? Calm down and learn that I am God. All nations on earth will honor me. So again, relax, surrender your anxiety, Calm down. In other words, in the face of all the earth being removed, in the face of all the trouble that's all out there, because I'm your present help in trouble, you calm down. I got it. Tell your neighbor, God's got it. All right, now, now remember, um, I told you that we weren't surprised that in this nine days, you started coming under attack. Y'all listening to me? Yeah. If you haven't listened to me, please listen to me. Don't be surprised if you come under attack because the devil heard, heard the prophetic announcement too. He knows what happened to Obed-Edom. He knows what happened to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Job, and David, and Solomon, and Jesus. So of course it's going to work against us to keep us from reaching our uh, destination manifestation. You got it? But he can't stop us. So my job, part of my job, is, is to help settle us down. 
When I pray for you, I can sense, I, I, I can sense in the spirit when the people, oh man, you're, y'all are, y'all are up, you're up against some stuff. And I got to pray about that prayer. Lord, bring them, give them strength. Strengthen my brothers and sisters. Strengthen my sons and my daughters. Keep them in, in the Lord. Hallelujah. Because I got to settle you down. Because you're facing a battle. Now I found out that that's part of my job. I want to show you this in the book of Deuteronomy. Can I go over there real quick? Deuteronomy chapter 20. This is prescribed by God. Deuteronomy 20 and verse 1. Let me know when you get there. Let me know when you get there by saying amen. Amen. All right. Deuteronomy 20 verse 1, we'll start there. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies, anybody been finding yourself getting ready to go out to a battle? And see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you. So you're already outmanned, outsized, outgunned, outnumbered. He says, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you. Thank you, Lord. Who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now we're going to keep going here, verse 2. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle. That the priest, man, 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 that the, see, your priest, your man of God plays a vital role in your life. Boy, this is so important here. That the priest shall approach and speak to the people. Didn't say the general shall go out. Said the priest shall go out. Approach and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, hear, O exceeding grace, hear, O people of God. Today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Didn't Pastor tell us that? He sure did. <laughs> Didn't Pastor give us fair warning? Yes, he did. He said, You're on the battle, on the verge of battle with your enemies. So watch what he has to say to you. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. And do not tremble or be terrified because of them. Don't be scared. Don't matter what you're going through. Don't be scared. Be not dismayed. Whatever betides you, God will. Any old school people in here. God will take care of you. Now watch what the priest says here. Verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So the priest then, your man of God, makes a prophetic declaration over your life. You don't have to fear because God, your God, goes with you to fight for you and to save you. Matter of fact, if you, read, if you read that in the NIV and some other translations, it will say, he goes with you to fight for you to give you the victory. 
So that's my prophetic announcement for the rest of these 38 days that I know you're on the verge of another battle tomorrow and next week and the rest of the month. But don't you fear, don't be afraid because the Lord your God goes with you to fight for you and to give you the victory. He is your very present help in trouble. Tell your neighbor, God will help you. So don't be alarmed when you're facing some battle. Don't act like this. Oh, I can't believe. I thought I was on my, on my way to prosperity and look what happened. I thought I was on my way to everything being golden. But look what happened. None of that matters. It's a, it's a battle. It's an enemy trying to keep you from arriving at your destination. But the enemies are in. Listen, and he said back, back in, in verse, verse 1, when you see horses, so your flesh is going to react to what you see. Man, I wish I had somebody else in church. I'm about to preach it somewhere else. Your flesh is going to react to what you see. It seems like you're on the losing side. All the odds are stacked against you. Horses and chariots and people more numerous than you. Outgunned, outmatched, outsized, outnumbered. Hmm. And yet, the Lord God is with you. Notice, and go back to verse 4, with you to fight for you. What did he say? Fight for you. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. He will fight for you. So that tells me, my lightning fast mind, if he's going to fight for me, I don't have to fight. Too many Christians are, are getting messed up fighting the devil. Nobody ever told you to fight the devil. Your Bible tells you fight the good fight of faith. Your good fight of faith is all on the inside here. Your fight of faith has nothing to do with what's going on outside. Your fight of faith has to do with what's going on the inside. Boy, boy, boy. Glory to God. See, what you see, the the horses and the chariots and the people, is what, is what tries to get your flesh all crazy. Your soul goes haywire. What am I going to do? Alas, my master, what shall we do? Oh, Lord, we gonna, it's going to all fall apart, so on and so forth. That's why you got to go now on the inside and fight that good fight of faith. Knowing that the Lord is with you to fight for you and to give you the victory. So tell your neighbor, the Lord will help you. Glory to God. Let's keep going here. Now, back in Psalm 46, in verse 5, it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. God shall help her. God shall help her. Now, we read back in there in Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, and it said, the Lord, your God, is with you to fight for you to save you or to give you the victory, what, what we saw there was supernatural help. Okay? Your flesh sees horses, chariots, people. 
Your flesh sees the natural. And your flesh, your soul, wants to respond in the natural. And by all uh, accounts, in the natural, you're a goner. We used to say you're out of gas. By all accounts, in the natural. But that's why he said for the priest, the man of God to tell you, the Lord, your God is with you to fight for you, to give you the victory. So that means that you're not going by yourself. It means you have supernatural help to get the job done. Now I'm preaching, I'm, going, I'm, I'm working my way to get back into this here because I feel the need to really uh, explore this more about understanding spiritual realities. Because uh, too many people are getting bumped off by the devil because they don't understand spiritual realities. And they're letting, they're allowing the slightest little uh, wave capsize their boats. They freak out. You know, when you, when you freak out, you, you, you don't even know how to do the natural right. I think about Peter all the time. When Peter, Jesus came up, he was walking on the water, and Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Right? And Jesus said, come. So Peter walked out on the water. He walked. He was operating in the supernatural. Because he saw Jesus. He saw something supernatural and it, he engaged in the supernatural. So he's walking, supernaturally walking, supernaturally walking, supernaturally walking. Why? Because the Lord said, come. So that word, come, changed the dynamics of that water. It changed the dynamics of his feet. Whatever it did, it created a platform for him to walk on this water. He's walking supernaturally. But all of a sudden, the Bible says that when he looked and he saw the waves boisterous, instead of now keeping his eyes on Jesus and walking on the, on the, on the assurance of that word, he goes now by what he sees. And when he, when he went by what he saw, the Bible says he began to sink. And he is stretched out and said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Now, what's the, what's the problem with that? Peter, a fisherman, a deep sea fisherman, is a proficient swimmer. For when you read in John 21, the same thing, they looked out and see Jesus Christ on the shore, and Peter out in the deep looks and said, that's Jesus. The Bible says he girded his coat on him, jumped in the water, girded his coat, put on, some, put on more clothes, and jumped in the sea and swam all the way to Jesus. So he's a proficient swimmer. But when he got seized by fear, he couldn't even figure out how to swim. He got seized by fear. So that's why the priest has to remind you, chill out, calm down. Cool out. Because if you get in fear, you're going to start messing up the natural stuff you already know how to do. (laughs) 
oh Lord, they don't, they don't turn the power off on the house. I don't have no lights. Well, light a candle. Oh, I, I, I forgot. I forgot I had candles. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you forgot just, just how to do this regular natural stuff. Yeah, you got all them candles you have around your bathtub. You ain't think to go use them candles for light. <laughs> I forgot, that's right. I was, I'm not thinking straight. That's right, you're not thinking straight. You've been seized by fear. Glory to God. But the Lord will help you. God will help you. Now, I want to get somewhere here tonight. Okay, now. So we have supernatural help. Everybody say we have supernatural help. Again, going back to Psalm 46, verse 5, says God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn or at the dawn of the day. God shall help her. God shall help her. So God will help us. Now I want to switch over to, please, the voice translation. uh, The voice translation for Psalm 46 and verse 5. And let's read this. It says, the true God never sleeps and always resides in the city of joy. I hope you all caught that here. Don't let your joy slip. I'm telling you. I told you all this Sunday, that's, that's, it's no wonder that we're under, an, I, I see an attack against our praise. And I don't just mean corporate, I'm talking about individually. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell because, because you're fluctuating too much. Your faces don't, if you're happy, you know your face will surely show it. So, a lot of folk, the faces aren't showing that they're happy. A lot of folk, their faces aren't showing that they have joy. Why? It's not that, that, that you don't want to have joy, not that you don't want to be happy. It's just that things have happened, things are coming, and, or, or, things, or things in your mind, or things aren't happening in your mind, or things aren't happening. I better say it again. Either things are happening that you don't want to happen, or in your mind, things aren't happening that you do want to happen. Notice I keep saying, in your mind. Because it's impossible that you have prayed and believed and sown and fasted and praised and thanked God and spoken a word and nothing happens. It's impossible. Oh man, y'all are shot about that. It's impossible that nothing's been happening. You couldn't have been praying like you prayed if you prayed. You couldn't have been fasting like you're fasting, or giving like you're giving, or sown like you're sown, or believe like you believe, confess like you, like, like you confess, or praise the way you began praising this year. And nothing happening? The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. Tell that crackhead to shut up. He is a liar. Shut up. You can't tell me nothing's happening. See, if you've been through this, through this uh, cycle, or as dad calls a circle of faith before, you know something's happening. 
But see, if the devil comes along and convinces you, well, so-and-so gave a testimony, so-and-so gave a praise report, and Pastor Red, they praise report, and they, but ain't nothing happened to you, and then you, you don't know, maybe it ain't working. Shut up! Curse those words! Something is happening! But everything happens first in the unseen realm. Before you see any evidence. Still a mango tree. Matter of fact, when you got a, a mango seed, it's a tree in that seed. It's a tree in that seed. Glory to God. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, he always resides in the city of joy. He makes it, it, that city, unstoppable, unshakable. When it, that city of joy, awakes at dawn, the true God has already been at work. Uh, thank you, Sister Nita. I wish I'm about somebody getting this here tonight. While you've been sleeping, he's been working already. While you've been sitting there just enjoying your night, he's already been working for you. I don't see him. It don't matter. You were asleep. That's why you didn't see him. He already been working. He's been working where you can't see him, where you can't detect him, where you he's he been working. With God, nothing is impossible. Did you catch that? With God, nothing is impossible. It's impossible for God to do nothing. The very nature of God is that something's always happening. God, his name Jehovah is, is really means the, the eternally existent one, which means he's always active. God is never inactive. Well, the seventh day he rested. You know what his rest looked like? I mean, come on now. God ain't lazy. He's always working. So if you hit day 90, don't get a day 90 and say, well, I guess, I guess that was just nothing happened. Child, shut up, because it might be day 91. a sudden you get an explosion that changes your life forever and what he was doing was taking the 90 days to develop your character to handle what was coming on day 91 I, I shared this message earlier before we even got into this 90 days I believe I'm, I'm pretty sure I said the Lord said that some of us have already reached critical mass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But others of us will reach critical mass this year. So maybe, maybe perhaps you hadn't reached critical mass yet. But it's okay. You're, you are getting there and the moment you hit it, tipping point. Everything begins to flow. Boy, boy, boy. I got to keep going. I don't want to get stuck there. Because I want to show you some, a couple things here tonight. Hallelujah. 
So God, he's already working on your behalf. Tell you that God is already working on your behalf. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Glory to God. You know, in the, New, in the New Testament, when it says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has entered the heart of man of things God has prepared for those who love him. That comes from the Old Testament in Isaiah where it says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, uh, a God such as this who acts on behalf of those who wait on him. That's where that's from. He acts on behalf. So God is acting on your behalf. And maybe some of you don't, don't understand what that means. If anybody, if you have been in trouble and you have to go to court, then you, you know you don't want to talk. <laughs> you want to let someone else who's proficient in that system speak on your behalf. <laughs> right? So God acts on our behalf. Even when we don't know what he's doing. Glory to God. All right. Now, let's, let me show you something here tonight. God will help you. What, I, what I'm, I, tonight I want to make sure you get is that you have access and the benefit of uh, the supernatural on your side. You're not alone. Um, there's more to you than you. Are you hearing me? Um, when I say you're not alone, I don't just mean you're not physically alone. Uh, you're, you and all you have, you're not alone. There's more to you than you. In other words, uh, let's just talk finances. That's easy to understand. So if you have a thousand dollars, that's not all you have. Are you following me? Uh, because you have the benefit of the supernatural. And the supernatural has no limit. Right? If we were to, were to take a, 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 a slingshot, a rubber band, uh, a paper airplane, and try to throw it up high in the sky, do you think we get close to a cloud? No. no. But if we took an airplane and, and launched an airplane, we could, we could hit the clouds. In fact, we could generally rise above the clouds. But an airplane's not going not gonna to go in outer space. But we could launch a rocket, a space shuttle of some sort, and that space shuttle could go up into into outer space. But it couldn't get into heaven. <laughs> There's nothing humanly possible. Remember those guys in Genesis chapter 11? They thought for sure we're going to build a tower. We're going to climb a stairway to heaven. <laughs> they didn't realize how far off they were. They, they miscalculated My point is there's no limit to the unseen realm. Thank you, Lord. I pray you all hear this tonight. 
Okay. Because what the devil wants to do is to get you to look solely at what you have. And I'm telling you, that's not, not even the way that God wants us to live. He wants you to look solely at what you can do. He, in other words, he wants to limit you to the natural and prevent you from, from uh, peering over and operating uh, in the supernatural because he knows that even he is limited to the natural. Huh? Y'all didn't say, y'all y'all were kind of like, hmm. He's limited to the natural. He's limited to the natural. He doesn't, he can't, now he, he does, he, he acts in the spirit realm, but he can't use anything but what's in the natural. Come on, right? Glory to God. All he has is a fiery furnace. All he has is a lion's den. All he has is a prison. He has, he has to use the natural. And yet in every one of those situations, God busted out of the, out of the natural with the supernatural. Okay, now, uh, I want to share something with you here. So we can, we can get, get crunk on this here tonight. All right. Everybody say, God will help you. What I say? Okay, don't forget that. How many of y'all need some help in some area of your life? Yeah, yeah. All right, my, okay, we're unanimous? Okay, good. Well, a couple people didn't have their hands up. They're good. Okay. <laughs> but I need help. Because there are some things that I desire. Not need, but desire. Some things even that I want to do that are beyond my natural ability. Beyond my financial ability. Beyond my physical ability. You got it? But God will help me. Okay. Now, I asked Brother Kirkland to forward this to me. We had a question come through on, uh, you know, we broadcast uh, this message. and We're live streaming right now to YouTube. We're live streaming to uh, Roku, we're live streaming to Apple TV, we're live streaming to Facebook, we're live streaming uh, all over the world, right? So we had a question that came in, was that this past weekend? Okay, it's, good. it's a very good question. It's, okay, all right, they move ahead of me. Well, let me speed up then. They're like, get on with it, Pop. All right. <laughs> My daughter, she's probably hungry. All right. Well, I don't need to read this. So the question was, listen to this. How do you get out of debt when your paycheck barely pays the necessities? I thought that is an awesome question. How many of y'all have that same question? I had it. Okay. All right. I have it. Okay. Okay, let, let's, 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 let's keep that question up there. But let me translate that into your situation. 
how do I do that when I only have enough for this? All right, so that now we can fit everybody. How do I do that, whatever your that is? Whether it's that that you want to do or that that God is calling you to do. Because even if there's not a that that you're desiring to do, there's always a greater that that God is calling you to do. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why the that's that you desire to do even come up is because God is trying to train you so you'll be prepared to do the that that he's calling you to do. Did you catch that? He uses your desires as training for his desires. Oh, you better write that down. He uses your desires as training for his desires. Man, I'm glad to be in the plan of God. I'm glad to be in the plan of God. So how do I do that when I only have enough to do this. In other words, what, I'm, my, my, what I can do now, that's all I can see. So this, this person's question was, how do you get out of debt when your paycheck barely pays the necessities? And I thought, that is an awesome question. That's an awesome question. Because it's a, it's a universal question that a lot of people have. Now, whether you, whether you desire to be out of debt or not, I'm not, I'm not, if you don't desire to be, to be out of debt, don't even regard what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about if you desire to be out of debt. Yes. Or there's people, let's, let's put it, here's another question that comes up that people give, it comes to all the time. How can I tithe when I only have enough coming in just to pay my bills? That's a real question. We get that all the time. All the time. It's a realistic question people have. How can I do that when I only have enough to do this? And the question is, arises out of a, a lack of revelation about the supernatural. The question arises because there's only a, an understanding of the natural. So what a person does is that person calculates this plus this plus this spreadsheet. Got the, you know, lay it out, boom, 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 boom. Here's, all I, here's what I can afford. So how can I do that when all I have is enough to do this? How can I get out of debt? Pastor, that sounds good. I would sure like to be out of debt, whether that's a spiritual reason or whether it's just I don't want the pressure anymore. I, I, don't, I don't want that debt. How can I, how can I do this? The way I'm, when I run my numbers, when I run my numbers, I can't see it. And ladies and gentlemen, here's the truth. Satan wants to make sure you can't see it. And here's the truth. It might be a reality in your life at the current moment that it just ain't there. You don't have to, you don't have, to have the amen me on that one. You don't have to wave your hand. You don't have to be, go all crazy. But it, I know it's, it applies to a lot of folk. In-house and watching online, obviously. People watching online, they want to know, how can I do that, what you're talking about? I like it. It sounds good, Rip. But I, I can't see how to do that. 
I understand. I understand. I understand. I'm not picking on anybody. Trust me. This, when I saw that question, or, or it, was, it was shared with me, rather, I thought, wow, that is a really good question. One worth us talking about. So here's my answer in a nutshell. God will help you. God will help you. In Luke 1.34 in the KJV, Mary had the same question. Mary gets the challenge of having a, a baby. This little teenage girl. You have a baby. And her question was, how shall this be? Seeing. Luke 134 in the King James. How shall this be seeing? I know not a man. Now the, 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 the request is, or the, or the prophetic word is, you're going to have a baby. And she want, her question is the same as this question. How can I do that when all I have is enough for this? I don't, I don't, now she had a man, but I don't know a man. When she's, she said, I know not a man. When, now she knew a man, she's, she's in, but she didn't know no. Y'all know, you know what I mean, y'all teenage when I say no, no. She didn't know no. She knew him pretty well enough, enough to agree to marry him. But they had not known each other. Like there are things that she didn't really know about him and he didn't really know about her. Now they've talked, they've been, you know, communicating and learning about each other, but there's something they have not yet discovered about each other. Is that clear enough for the internet? Okay. All right. So this is her question. And notice what she says, seeing. In other words, based on what I see... I can't accomplish what you're asking of me. Based on my credentials, based on what I have, based on, on my qualifications, there's no way I could do that. How could I ever have this baby and I don't, I'm a virgin is what, really what she's saying. How can I tithe when, when I calculate my bills, you 10%, there ain't no one in the world. When I pay my bills, all I got left is 2%. How can I get, Pastor, I can't get out of debt when I calculate all my bills. How can I get out of debt when all I, I, I get out of debt? I can't, can't get my ends to meet. Let alone pay debt off. All right, now let's go to Psalm number 89. We were there Sunday. Say, God will help you. Tell your neighbor, God will help you. Now tell them God is on your side. Now, if somebody catches this tonight, you're going to be on the road out of debt before you know it. Now, listen, you can apply this to any area of your life. But the question that came, how do I get out of this debt? Psalm number 89, are you over there? Verse uh, 20 says, I have found my servant who? David. David, 
Now notice it says, I have found my servant, David, with my holy oil, I have anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Also my arm shall strengthen. Notice he is imposing upon, he, he's imposing himself on David. Matter of fact, we said say literally this way, he's superimposing himself on David. He is going over and above David. He said, I'm about to go above David's natural ability. I'm about to go up over and above David's own strength. He said, I, he said, my hand shall be established. My arm shall strengthen him. Now, David's a tough guy. I mean, he's fought a lion and a bear before, but, you know, but no, this, I'm talking about my, my arm. When God says, I put my arm, I'm going to strengthen you with my arm, that means you get my strength. Glory to God. You ever, you ever, you ever uh, uh, had somebody, you try to open up a, a, a jar and they couldn't get it and they pass on, hey, can you do this? And they, went, they, they, they normally didn't get somebody who looked weaker than them. Normally found somebody who looked like they were a little bit more muscular, a little more strength. My arm shall strengthen him. Do you see this? Verse 22, the enemy shall not outwit him. No, the son of wickedness afflict him. I'm going to come back to that. Y'all know that. Yeah. I will. Oh, man. Are y'all seeing this? This is a beat down like I've ever heard one. He said, I will. I'm going to beat down his foes. Now, we're talking about come out, come out of debt here, right? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, God said, when I come on your side, when you let me in, David was a praiser and a worshiper. When you let me in, I'm going to beat your foes down for you. I know you can't afford it. I know you're working 40 hours plus 20 hours and you still can't afford it. But if you get on my side and let me come in here and help you, I will beat your foes down for you. I have the ability to beat your debt down. And plague those who hate him. Verse 24. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name, his horn shall be exalted. My, 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 my. My, 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 my. Somebody say, my, 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 my. God is superimposing himself on David's situation, on David's life. And if you will allow God, he will superimpose himself. I'm trying to explain this to you, how, how this happens. He, in other words, God says, I'm going to go beyond your budget. Your budget is nice. We're going to work with that. But I'm, I'm going to accelerate your budget. Because I'm going with you to fight for you to give you the victory. I'm going with you to fight for you to save you. I'm going with you to fight for you to deliver you. Anybody want to be delivered? 
So he says, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to beat your foes down. <laughs> Glory to God. Now go back to, to please here in verse 22. Because 22 says that the enemy shall not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. Now, that 22 I told you on Sunday, that is a no more debt promise. Because when you read 22 in the King James, or you read it in the, in the Amplified, it'll say uh, exact. No one will be able to outwit or exact. If you read it in the margin, if you have a, a decent Bible, in the synonym column reference, reference, it'll say exact usury. Now, you know what usury is, right? How many of you know what usury is? Usury is interest, like on a loan. So he says, when I get on top of him, when I superimpose myself on his life, it says the enemy shall not outwit or exact usury from him. You're not going to get any more interest from him. I hope the person who, who, who posed this question is watching right now. I hope everybody listening tonight will grab a hold of this. Hallelujah. Pastor, how'd y'all do it? I can walk you through the stuff we did, but there's a lot of stuff I can't explain. I wish I could, but I'm glad I can't. Because that way God gets the glory of how he did this for us. It's him, he superimposed himself in our situation and said, no more people outwitting you. Nobody else exacting interest from you. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Now he says, he says again, no more debt. This is what this, is what, what this is here. There's no more debt promise. The enemy shall not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. Okay. Now, remember what it said. God's going to beat your foes down. Okay, now that word, if you look at it in the King James, you use the word exact. E-X-A-C-T. Okay? It's, that's, in, this, in this reference, it's a verb. It's an action. No one will exact from him or exact him. That word exact comes from the uh, Hebrew word nasha means to lend on interest or usury. This, this is what it means. Pastor making this up. This is what it means. This is what it means. To lend on interest or usury, be a creditor, debt, to exact, be a giver of usury. <laughs> Glory to God. In fact, I didn't, I didn't record this or share it with the media, but if you were to track that word down, it actually goes into a deeper meaning, uh, that word nasha. It's taken from another word, which literally means uh, to, to done, D-U-N, as a creditor, done. So done literally means to demand repayment. It means to demand forcefully. To start nagging. To start harassing. Just come on now, y'all understand me. Got your brand new cell phone, but you're scared to answer it. How you know, Pastor? I know. 
I'm just telling you. Can we just be honest tonight? Okay. So it means to lend on interest or usury, to be a, to be a creditor, to debt, uh, debt, exact, or giver of usury. All right? Now, this same word, nasha, is found in 1 Samuel and chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22, this same word, nasha. Let's see how it's used here. 1 Samuel 22. You got it? And verse 1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Verse 2. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in Nasha. And everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Glory to God. Now, don't get mad at me for talking about debt. This is, I'm answering a question that came through online. You can apply it anywhere in your life. He will help you. He will superimpose himself on your situation. But I'm answering directly in this, in this scenario here. I'm answering how do I deal with insufficiency? You can be debt free and be still in an insufficiency. You just, when you're debt free, just zero. So he says, everyone who was in distress, now that word distress, you, you track that word, and it's, it points to that person who's uh, being harassed by a creditor. Everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented, gathered to him, so he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Y'all hear me tonight. Now notice, who gathered to him? Who gathered to him? They were distressed, debt, and discontented. That's the same group of people. These are all financial issues. These weren't, these weren't guys that have a marital problems and say we need to go and join David. This wasn't because, you know, I was just diagnosed with, with uh, cancer, so I'm going to go join David. That's not what this is. This is these are all money issues. So they joined David. So I want you to hear this here. David becomes a captain over them. Right. Now remember what we read in Psalm 89. God's word about David was he'll never ever be in debt. Ever again. So these guys who are in debt come to him. And Captain David led them out of debt, out of distress, out of discontentment. Boy, this is so easy, man, right here. Now, can I give you three points out of this real quick? All right? Write them down or just listen and you can catch these later on. Point number one, for supernatural debt freedom, you must come to the end of yourself. For supernatural debt freedom, you must come to the end of yourself. Supernatural. Not talking about natural. You can do it naturally. Many people have done it naturally. Christians aren't the only, only people who come out of debt. There are non-Christians, there are heathens who hate God and come out of debt. Yes. Happens all the time. But it's not done miraculously. It's just done naturally. They calculate, they budget, 
they save, they work three jobs, they, they only eat ramen noodles during the week. Come on, come on. Y'all don't mind ramen noodles every day except, except Sunday, right? Ah, y'all, y'all, y'all. Throw, throw, throw a few Cheetos in there. No. A few Vienna sausage in there. None of y'all know nothing about that goulash right there. You must come to the end of yourself. Look at, and give me Psalm, uh, media, Psalm 107, verse 27 and 28 real quick. Psalm 107, verse 27 and 28. I'm going to show you this here real quick. They reel, this is people in trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. You ever heard that phrase, at their wit's end? That's a good place to be. Tell you that, but that's a good place to be. Wit's end means you've reached the end of your wit, the end of your wisdom. You've reached the end of your know-how. And when you come to the place when you finally say, you know what, I don't know how to do this. See, long as you keep using your little calculator, you and your, your little notepad, you and your little spreadsheet, and that's all you do, you've not reached your wits end yet. You're still figuring. But God wants you to move past figuring into allowing him to do it. He's going to help you. So they came to their wit's end. Now watch what happened when they came to their wit's end. Verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their distress. This is what happened to these guys. They cried to the Lord in their distress and he brings them, uh, in their trouble rather, and he brings them out of their distresses. So that's what happened to these guys. They came to their wit's end and they came out of their distresses. Okay? All right, number two. We're back in Psalm 8, in, in uh, 1 Samuel 22. This is good here. I'm not going to finish, boy, but I'm going to try to get as far as I can here. Number two, for supernatural debt freedom, you must be properly connected to a debt-free captain. Mm -hmm. This is what happened to those guys and David. David, God already made a word, given a word over his life. Nobody will ever exact usury from him ever again. He's never going to be in debt ever again. And these guys connected with him and they all became debt free. You know the story later on when, when David gave his offering for the, for the temple, about $5 billion in today's money. Those guys came along, gave their billion. Here, I got my billion. Here, I got my In other words, God made all those guys rich. Because they were properly connected to a debt free captain. So, so I say this unapologetically. Thank God he brought your pastors out first. Uh, you know, uh, let me say this. We weren't necessarily the first. The other people came out before us too. But they're not your captain. So he had to bring your captains out. <laughs> and then as you're probably connected, like you are, and then he brings you out. So the same supernatural anointing of increase uh, increases you and something called the anointing of decrease. Yeah. Thank you for the anointing of decrease. You ever heard of the anointing of decrease? Yeah. It's him going and beating your foes down. Beat them down, Lord. Beat them down. Beat them down. Glory to God. That's, that's why some, so many of you have already reported about debts being eliminated. All of a sudden, bargains, they just offer you settlements. You know what? We'll just we'll take pennies on the dollar. Yeah, that's right. It's the anointing of decrease. You didn't get a raise. He just reduced what you owe. They both work at the same time. I'll take it. 
Number three, last one on this right here. For supernatural debt freedom, we already said you must come to the end of yourself. You must be properly connected to a debt-free captain. Number three, you must abandon religion and embrace kingdom. You must abandon religion and embrace kingdom. Now remember now, when they went to David, they made David captain over them. Now these guys, now who's the king at that time? Saul. Saul is religion. Saul is religion. David is kingdom. Everything about Saul typifies religion. He moved ahead of God. He, he, he created his own, his own religious way of doing things. Wouldn't wait on Samuel the prophet. He's religion. David is kingdom. Heart after God. Man after God's own heart. Pursuing God, worshiper, and appraiser. Now, if you're back in 1 Samuel 22, I want you to look at verse, verse uh, 6. Y'all tired already? No. I, I can quit here. It's, it's 9 o'clock. I'll quit. Let me finish this out. This is the finish this last point. The rest I'll save for another church. All right, verse, verse first 20, 1 Samuel 22. I mean, I just want to know if I, mean, if I got people who want to be... You want to be helped, I'll help you now. I'm already debt free, man. I can go home and just keep being debt free. And again, you don't have to be. You can stay in debt. It's not going to bother me in the least bit. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to, you know, God's just going to keep on blessing you and taking. I mean, that's, that's fine. That's not going to bother me one bit. I'm just saying, if you want to be. If you want to be. If you want to be. DK ain't nothing like it, is it? Ain't nothing like it. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing like it. First Samuel 22, verse 6. When, now watch, when religion heard that kingdom, and the men who were with kingdom had been discovered, they're down in the cave. Now, religion was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand. He ain't fighting, he just got a spear in his hand. Form of God and is denying the power thereof. And all his servants standing about him. This is what religion does. They all just stand around. Aren't we beautiful? Aren't we great? Nobody's fighting. Verse uh, 7. Then religion said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, you religious people along with me. Will the son of Jesse, who's the son of Jesse talking about? David. Will the kingdom... Will that kingdom God give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Now, he's saying, what he's saying is no. He said, you better stick with me because David can't prosper you. This this is what he's saying. He said, I'm the king. I'm established religion. This is the way. Do what we tell you to do. Because that kingdom stuff can't really offer you what I can offer you. Staying out normal, we're going to go to church for an hour and we're going to just sing two songs and 30 minute message. All hell, the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. And we're going to just be religious. 
Never see the works of God. Never see the power of God. Never see the move of God. And, and let people stay allowed. Don't, don't get mad. Let people stay in the bondage of debt. I didn't say the sin of debt. The bondage of debt. It's the bondage of debt. The bondage of lack. Lack is not sin, it's, but it's bondage. It's, 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 it reduces you. Okay, kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom implies dominion. In a kingdom, dominion. You got it? Now, if the borrower is servant to the lender, he cannot possibly be in dominion. So what debt does, it reduces you from dominion to servitude. Notice Saul spoke to his servants. David spoke to his officers. These men didn't become David's servants. They became, they made him a captain. We saw ourselves as one unit. That's the problem with debt. Are you understanding that? So when you hear us talking about debt all the time, it's not that we're, we're trying to imply that you're in sin. What we're trying to imply is that you can never rise to the level of dominion God called you to operate in until you move above that. You got it? And this person wanted to know, how can I get out of debt if I only have enough to pay my necessities? Thank you, Lord. All right, now, let me, I'm, I'm just going to finish. If you, to, if you have to leave, you have to leave. Let me just finish this here. Now, God is, in Isaiah 9, 6, in the uh, New English translation and uh, the Passion translation, but I don't think they have this on there, it describes Jesus as an extraordinary strategist. So he's a strategist. Mighty God, he has might, Everlasting Father, He's your Father. Word, the word Father implies source. That's when you study the word Father out in the Hebrew, what it really barrels down to is source. That's what a Father is. Are you understanding that? Without, without Father, you can't have a child. The Father is a source of a child. He's a source. And so anything, even after the child is born, whatever that child needs, he's supposed to be able to go back to his source, his father. That's why Paul even said that children don't lay up for the fathers. Fathers lay up for the children because fathers are the source. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers. Because God is a source. He's our father. So he's everlasting father or he's our everlasting source. All right. Then it says prince of peace. Peace. That word peace is Hebrew word shalom, which means he's the prince over our prosperity. Got it? All right. Now, so what are we going to get from God? Supernatural strategies. 
Supernatural strategies. All right. Go to, go to 1 Kings 17. I got two places, two, just two more places to go. That's it. 1 Kings 17. Let me show you this here. Because this right here, it doesn't apply to debt. It's not about debt. But it's about, I don't have enough to do that. All I have is enough for this. 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. Are you there? Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this is Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to what? Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a who? Widow. Widow there to provide for you. This is the most unlikely source in the world. Right. A widow to provide for you. Now, I've taught this here before. You know it. It bears repeating. When Jesus preaches in Luke 4, he goes in Luke 4 and says that to know the widow was uh, Elijah sent except to that woman of Zarephath, which means that it wasn't that uh, in, in reality that she was going to take care of him. It was that he was sent there to change her life. If you read what Jesus said in Luke 4, okay? Now, glory to God. Y'all answer that. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, indeed a widow was there doing what? And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. Now, according to what Jesus Christ said, he's there for her. Now, what's going on in the area? There's a drought. There's nothing happening here. Okay? So he says, bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. Now, she's called to serve. Her first test is a test of service. Here comes the man of God. Please, please bring me a little water. Uh, in, to drink. Bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Alright? Verse 11. And as she was going to get it, as she was serving, he called her and said, I'm going to bump you up a little bit. Because I need to get you to your, to your miracle. He said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, so she said, now remember, she has a command to provide for him. Is that what God said? God said, I have commanded her to take care of you, which means she's heard from God. She had a word from God, commanded her to take care of him. Now, Notice this command comes at the least convenient time of her life. She's a widow. She got a little boy who obviously he's not old enough to go and do this stuff himself. And then there's a drought and she's out of, out of supplies. And God says, when my man of God comes to town, you take care of him. God, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, why didn't, why didn't he do it at a time when she had it going on? He does it at a time when she's li least likely to have what she needs to actually do what he calls her to do. Why? Because he's going to do something through her and in her life that's going to get him the glory and change her life. Because the question is, how do I do this 
if I don't have enough? How do I do that when all I have is enough for this? Now watch what happens here. When he asks for, for the bread, she said, verse 12, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. He's asking for bread. She said, I don't have any bread. I want to tithe, but I don't have any bread. I want to get out of debt, but I don't have enough. I want to give to the roof, but I don't have enough. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. That's all I have. That's all I have, man of God. You're putting pressure on me. She said, and see, and see, she wants him to drop down to the natural. He's trying to raise her to the supernatural. She wants to drop him down to the natural. And see, I can't tell you how many people have, have told me about, pastors, yeah, I, I want to I tithe, I want to give, I want to do this, but see, praise the Lord. What do you want me to say? I'm just telling you what God says. I, I can't drop down to your budget. God's trying to get a miracle to you, and you want me to, want me to keep seeing your budget. You want me to keep seeing, well, here's all I have. I, I ain't asked for that. God didn't ask for that. He, God, he, God knows your paycheck. God is scratching his head over your paycheck. Yeah, God, how they go to work that long for that little bit of money? I don't know how they... Am I right about it? My goodness. And see, I'm gathering a couple sticks. Tamara, he had, she has so little, she only needs two sticks. King James says two sticks, doesn't it? She said, I just, I just, all I need, I got so little, I only need two sticks to cook this. I only no logs and all that stuff. Kindling wood, kindling, I just need two sticks. This is going to go so quick. I'm going to make just two biscuits and we're going to. She said that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah, the pulpit pimp. See, if Elijah were here today, if Elijah were here in 2019, there will be YouTube videos and Facebook posts all about Elijah right off this, off this verse right here. How dare an old pulpit pimp tell this woman who just said she's a widow, all she got is a little bit of oil, little bit of, little bit of flour, and just two sticks, and she's going to feed her and her son. How dare this man of God, this so-called man of God, this old fake prophet. He old false prophet pulpit pimp. Gonna tell this woman, this old poor old woman. He said, "Go and make me a small cake from it first. He gonna take, he gonna take food right out of her, and she already told him. They have a whole book written about Elijah. Pulpit pimp, prosperity pimp." Don't listen to them prosperity preachers. They're all trying to do is get your money. He's going to ask this woman for her last. That's what they say. Sir, that's what they say. 
because if I was if I was her cousin and I saw this old prophet come in town and I don't know who he is, I probably would say, hey, cuz, hey, hey, um, hey, you know it's all you got. You get a man your food. You get a man your last. Now she already said she and her son, they're gonna eat it and die. She already, she already had bad off, but her cousin, he can't help her, obviously. Come on, her auntie can't help her. Her mama can't help her. Her brother and them, they can't help her. Because she already said, I, this is all I got, and we're going to eat it and die. They got all the mouth, but no answer. And no money. Oh, false prophet, pulpit, pimp, Elijah. She said, don't fear. He said, don't fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Feed me, and then you and your son eat the leftovers. And afterward, this is what he's saying. This I'm, re I'm reading like if I was reading his, you know, I'm listening to this message on YouTube. Did that Negro say afterward? Did he really, did he really tell him? I can't believe he got a lot of nerve. Got a lot of nerve to do that woman like that. Her post son, look at her son. He said, and then after make some for yourself and, and your son. So he knew about her son. But what, remember now, he's coming on a word. He's operating on a word. He's operating with the knowledge that he has some supernatural help. And he's trying to connect her to this supernatural help. All she can see is what she doesn't have. All she can see is the very little that she does have. Not enough for this. I don't have enough for that, Elijah. I only have enough for this and barely enough for this because this is our last little meal. We're going to eat this last little meal and we're going to die. We're going to die. So what happens? He says, for thus says the Lord, God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So here's your prophetic word. Now it's decision time. Now it's decision time, says Angie. Decision time. She just heard what he said. So she's got to now juxtapose what she heard with what she sees. What she heard with what she sees. What the man of God said with what her belly says and what her cupboards say. It's decision time. It's the same decision we make every week, every day. When God's giving you an instruction. The first thing the devil want to do is make us start. Let me calculate first. Let me calculate before. I don't know. This is all I got. Do not fear. I don't know, boy. It's close to the first one. <laughs> do not fear. What well, I like, Bill, boy, is kind of heavy this week.
verse 15, she made the right decision. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So she went from just having enough to, to use two sticks to every day she's feeding herself, her son, and she got a border. Elijah now lives in the house. She feed him every day. They, now you know they, they eating three squares. I mean, when you got unlimited oil and unlimited flour, you just, you making some pancakes or something you making, boy. Flapjacks, what y'all call them? Whole cakes, so you making something, boy. Dumplings, all kind of stuff you're doing with that. Pasta. Praise the Lord. They're eating good in the neighborhood. At least in her house. Because the Bible, Jesus said, the only one he was sent to was her. She could have been locked into what, I don't have enough for that. But she said, nope, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust the word of God. She trusted and God brought her through. Can I take you one more place? Second Kings 4. Second Kings 4. This is the last place. Man, man, I know it's good. I know this word is good here. I know it's good. God's word is right. I know it's right. God's word is right. None of y'all know that song. I know it's right. God's word is right. Y'all know that? God's word is right. I know God's word is right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take y'all Kojic. I'm going to go Kojic on y'all one Sunday. God's word is right. I know it's right. God's word is right. God knows. You don't even know that one, boy. I know God's word is right. Are you in 2 Kings 4? Deacon Gershon, you don't remember that song either? Okay, thank you. Thank you. No, I didn't make that up. Oh, they probably did make it up on the spot, but we, we repeated it a whole lot of times. All right, 2 Kings 4, you're there. Let's, let's go verse 1. Let's, let's, let's finish this out here. I want you to see God will help you. 2 Kings 4 verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now Elisha is Elijah's protege. Elisha took over for Elijah's ministry. Okay? So the same uh, spirit that was on Elijah and Elijah was now, is now in, uh, in on Elisha. All right, so this woman... The wives of the prophets cried out to Elijah saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. That makes her a widow. widow. Okay, she's a widow. She's a widow. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. Got it? Now, her husband was one of the servants of the prophets. Okay, sons of the prophets who served. And, but look at the scenario here. Verse 4. This is going to answer this person's question online. And answer your question. And the creditor is coming. This is bad. This isn't just a notice in the mail. This is seizure. 
We were at a, we were at a restaurant yesterday. Was that yesterday? Somewhere we were. And we looked in this restaurant windows, and they had these uh, seizure stickers on their notices. Like, they about to shut this. It's a, it's a, a restaurant you really like, uh, Kirkland. Yeah, they about to take all their stuff. I'm like, boy, how they going to seize? Man, all this stuff. This, but this is what's happening here. They're in, they're in deep debt. And there is no bankruptcy court in that day. The creditors coming to take up my two sons to be his slaves. I wish you could go back in the book of Leviticus and read about the law on that. Boy, that's serious. So Elisha, well, let's, let's look at this part. Notice again about the, the woman. She said her husband feared the Lord. So notice here, it's possible to love and fear the Lord and still be in financial trouble. Do y'all know anybody like that? Do y'all know it? I'm not, I don't mean you. You know, is anybody, somebody else like that? You might know. They love God, man. They serve God, man. They sang all Zion songs, but boy, they are a financial wreck. Well, this guy was a wreck, but what happened when he died, he hadn't cleared his wreck up. So what he left for his sons and his wife was debt. Hallelujah. Verse 2. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? So notice the man of God is asking the widow for something. It's not that he doesn't want to help her. He said, you got to give me something to work with. Or rather give the Lord something to work with. What do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. That's all I got. He said, what do you have in the house? He said, what do you have in the kitchen? What do you have in the cupboard? He said, what do you have in the house? That means that the big screen TV is gone. The hashitashi. <laughs> that, nice, that nice cushy bed. Seelipostropedic bed is gone. Whatever you got. All the furniture is gone. Pots and pans are all gone. <clears throat> she had good stuff. They, he, had, he had financed some good stuff. He had financed the, all the good stuff. He financed all the furniture. He had, had five years, same as cash. Five years, no interest. How you know? Because the first thing that, that, that the, the creditors came and took was the stuff. She said, now we down, the only thing I have left is just a jar of oil. They've already repossessed the bed. They've already repossessed the TV. Already repossessed all the furniture. Already repossessed all the jewelry. He had financed a wedding ring, everything. <laughs> Pastor, you just going overboard. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, but that's the reality of most people in America that they finance absolutely everything. They they sitting on a borrowed couch, watching a borrowed TV, getting a Coke out of a borrowed refrigerator, driving to work in a borrowed car, parking that borrowed car in a borrowed house. That's just the reality. Working out on borrowed Peloton. <laughs> that's good. 
is borrowed. Eating borrowed food sometimes. Because this woman said, all I have left is just a jar of oil. They've already taken everything else. Now listen, anybody who ever been through anything like, anything like that, please, I'm not picking on you. I'm just tell, I'm just want you to see the, the gravity of the situation here. It's a reality for many Americans. And she said, all I have is a jar of oil. Remember, she's only look, she only she sees her little. She identifies with her lack. So notice verse 3, then he said, the man of God says, go borrow vessels from everywhere. Borrow? Borrow? That's how we in this mess, cuz. Borrow? See, Pastor, ain't nothing wrong with borrowing, because even, even the prophets, they borrowed that axe. Remember that axe fell into the water, it was borrowed. There's a difference, ladies and gentlemen, between consumable and non-consumable. When you borrow money, you consume it. But to borrow vessels, you, you don't consume the vessel. I can give that vessel right back to you. I can give that axe right back to you. That's a non-consumable. So don't get all trying to get religious on me and justify. That's what she's going to do. She's going to take these pots right back. Full. So he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather a few. So the man of God is giving her an abundant expectation. You're in real debt. He knows the gravity of this debt. How, how much? He probably asked her, how much you owe these people? Oh, Lord. Okay. Hey, go borrow a lot of vessels. You don't, this, ain't, this ain't no weekend job, little thing. You can go, you can go work, drive Uber for a couple days. And no, you can't. You need some serious money. Right? So he says, go uh, borrow vessels. Don't, don't borrow, don't gather a few. Then he says, and when you have come in, now watch the this, this strategy. When you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it, that's the oil, into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Now watch this miracle increase on this oil. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. So here she goes, man, she's sinned. She, she's got this little jar, right? This little, well, she said a jar of oil, but she's borrowed vessels. So she look at this vessel, she takes this jar, little jar, and pours this little jar into this vessel, and the vessel, it fills up. She's, she's like, what the what? What's happening? God is helping her. The supernatural has been superimposed upon her natural. She's doing the natural. She's doing what he, she's been instructed to do. But once she follows the instructions, now the supernatural has gotten on top of her natural. So she pours that thing out and it fills up. She says, hey, bring another one. So I bring another one. She pours, starts pouring, and keeps it fills up. She says, oh, my God. Look in there. Hey, bring another one. And they just kept pouring and kept pouring and kept pouring. And watch, watch, watch what it says happen. He says, and she poured out, verse 6. Now it came to pass, when the vessels implied all were full, that she said to her son, hey, bring another one of them vessels. This is good. We're going to be rich. And he said to her, there is not another vessel so the oil ceased. That meant that to the level of their follow-through, 
the supernatural worked on their lives. The man of God said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. If I'm them, I'm going to Tampa, I'm going to Gulfport, I'm going to Bradenton, I'm going to Sarasota, I'm going to Rabonia, I'm going to Palmetto, I'm going to Pinellas Park, I'm going to Kenneth City. I'm going all up in them. I don't care nothing, nothing about y'all being racist and red, redneck. I'm just, I just need your bar, your vessel. Let me get that vessel. <laughs> Verse 7. And we're done right here. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go. Here's the further instruction. Sell the oil. Go buy yourself a car. Sell the oil. Go down there to the International Mall. You can really like spruce yourself up now, girl. No. He said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. In other words, first things first, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. So she got such a great miracle that once the debt was paid off, she and her sons didn't have to go to work for anybody. They live, they got two generations worth of wealth. I don't know if y'all can see that. See, some of y'all here, you thinking two or three pots. Don't think two or three pots. I'm thinking hundreds of pots. Of, of oil? This precious oil that was expensive? Anointed oil? Good oil. And it produced enough. Now, what happened? At first glance, she didn't have enough. All she had was enough to pay her bills. But God helped her. And this is what I'm trying to explain to you, the people of God, those of you here, those who watch online, those who watch this message five years from now, that it doesn't matter how little you have. It doesn't matter if you only have enough to pay your bills or enough just to, just to whatever, just to get by. It has nothing to do with it. When you invite God into your situation properly, the supernatural is superimposed on your natural and God will help you and he himself will fight for you and give you the victory. He will beat down your foes. He'll beat down your debt. He'll beat down your lack. He'll beat down that sickness. He'll beat down that disease. He'll beat down that depression. He'll beat down that anger. He'll beat down that anxiety. He'll beat everything back on your behalf. All right. How do you get out of debt when your paycheck barely pays the necessities? God will help you. Period. Point blank. <laughs> In that order. Y'all agree with that? Jump on your feet. Let me dismiss you. My goodness. Pastor, I already knew that. You, didn't, you never heard it like that. You never heard it like that. You busy budgeting. You got your master plan. You got your pretty little calculator, your three sharpened pencils. And three colors and highlighters. You got all your stuff all done. That's great. That's cute. We did the same thing. We laid everything out. That's a start. 
but you've got to count on the supernatural. Because he's the one who accelerates uh, things in your life. Amen? I hope everybody receives that. Take it to heart and move. And I pray that the person who sent that question in hears this and all those who are in the same situation hear it, move on it, act on it, and uh, watch God do for you what he's done for me. I can't explain no better than that. This do for you what he's done for me, what he's done for my family, what he's done for our church. Some of y'all been with us since the beginning. Y'all know ain't no, nowhere in the world we should be out of debt by now. Nowhere in the world we should be out of debt by now. When we had hundreds, we were deep in debt. Couldn't pay any bills when we were, had, we were fully loaded with all kind of, we had people everywhere, man. We had people all everywhere. But God does this. He does it for you. Amen? Father, thank you tonight for these, your people. I pray that everything that has been shared tonight, Lord, that the seed of the word is fallen upon good ground and that it will produce in us what you sent us to produce, that it will accomplish that which you please in our lives. I pray that, Father, your people will, will leave this place knowing that you are our helper. We want to be able to boldly say you are our helper. You say you will never leave us nor forsake us so that we may boldly say the Lord is our helper. Tonight I pray that each person, Lord, would make room for the supernatural, make room for the anointing in their lives, and that God will not limit ourselves to what we have and what we can see, but release you to do only what you can do in us, through us, and for us. I speak and agree for debt freedom in this house, that all those who have that desire, that God, you'll move swiftly in their lives. You can do it this year before this year is out. You can do it in the next 38 days. There's no limit to you, Lord. One instruction from you can deliver us totally out of debt. I pray for those, Father, tonight who have lack or insufficiency in, in, in another area of their lives. That God, you'll provide supernaturally for them. One, you can give one instruction, Lord, that will bring them in so much business that they'll have more and more business than they can sign up, Lord, at one time. You can do that. You can place a hunger and a thirst in other people for what you've placed on the inside of these, your people. You can make people want what's inside of us. God, so I thank you that you are the one who works with us and works for us and fights for us to give us the victory. Now I pray that as we leave from this place tonight that your people walk out empowered, living in the kingdom, walking in the blessing, walking and living in the fullness of God. Bless our homes, bless our families, bless everything that pertains to us. Let us find nothing amiss when we return to our homes. Let us enjoy wonderful days at work and at, at school, wherever we're going, Lord, on tomorrow. And I pray, Father, you bring us back this Sunday without the loss of one. We will continue to honor you, praise you, and give you all the glory we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, if you agree, shout amen. amen. And God bless you. We love you. Go out and bless the Lord. Go out and enjoy the Lord and be a blessing.